Welcome to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah, and I pray all of you are having a great new year and enjoying our study in the book of Genesis. Well, I started this year off sick, but I'm better now. And as I was looking at this week's study and I saw that I was covering three chapters, I thought what we're going to do today is just talk about it. I'll share a few thoughts and see where it goes. And so this will not be your typical podcast. So I encourage you to get into a Harvest Small group and study these things deeper. And now that I'm done with my disclaimer, let's chat about Genesis chapter 7, verse 1, through chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. And as you know, Genesis sets the foundation of the entire Bible and gives context to mankind's broken relationship with God and broken relationship with God's creation. And it tells us that God created mankind to be in a willful, loving relationship with Him. But because of man's deliberate sin and disobedience, that relationship was broken, and ultimately mankind's relationship was broken not only with God, but with his creation. And it only takes three chapters in for mankind to fall. And then three chapters after the fall of man, the earth got so wicked and far from God that God had to hit the reset button. Now, we know that in the future, because of mankind's wickedness, God is going to not just reset his creation, but he's going to have to remake his creation, create a new heaven and a new earth. But back in Genesis chapter 5, we're introduced to Noah. And in chapter 6, we're told that Noah was the last godly man standing, the only righteous one on earth. And while Noah was prepping for the incoming judgment, the world was going on about their regular business. And it's interesting because we see that the Bible declares in Matthew 24 that Christ will come back during a time where it will be like the days of Noah. And when we fast forward to our current day, especially the last few years, we've seen so much chaos and rightly assume that the coming of Christ is near, especially when it comes to Christ coming back for his church. Now, the Bible clearly states that we need to be mindful of the worldwide chaos because these things are a sign of the times, that they are an indication that we're in the last days and that these birth pangs, They signify that we are in that moment of labor and that the baby is almost here. But the Bible also states that when Christ comes, it'll be like the days of Noah. And then when you look at Matthew 24, verses 38 and 39, it says this, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until that day Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away so also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, I remember back in 2020, when we were in a lockdown, there were riots all over the place, the summer of love. The chaos was worldwide. And I don't know if you guys remember that big explosion in Beirut when we all thought it was an attack, but they claimed it was some type of assault mine or something like that blowing up. That was crazy. But anyways, there was hostility and chaos all over the world. And a lot of us thought, this is it. Christ is coming back. And at least he's coming back for his church. And I'm guilty because I wasn't making any predictions or anything, but I do remember thinking that the world is on fire, so I better look up. Then I remember things kind of dying down, kind of going back to normal, the new normal, they say, but the new normal. And I remember feeling like, dang it, man, it's too calm for the Lord to come back. Then this scripture that I just read in Matthew 24 popped into my head, and I can remember that Christ will come for his church like a thief in the night, that people will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And I remember that Christ will come in a time where the world least expects it. And until that time, 
We're not to be waiting around doing nothing. And like God had Noah doing, we should be doing God's work. And he tells us to occupy until he comes. And this is why I never understood why people would accuse us who hold a pre-tribulation rapture view of being escapists. And I think it's the very thought that Christ can come for us at any time. That thought is what puts urgency on us to infiltrate every aspect of culture in order to win people to Christ and have great influence in the culture. And this is why we need to spread our message. And this is why we need devote our values so we can keep spreading our message. And this is why we must position ourselves in every place, including the political realm, to preserve the right to keep spreading our message. See, we don't know for sure if Noah invited anyone to join him on the ark, but we do know that Second Peter calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. And we know that according to Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, God considered Noah righteous before him in that generation. And it says in chapter 7 verse 5 that Noah did according to all the Lord commanded. Over and over again, we see Noah's obedience. And the point that I'm making is that we know that Christ is coming back. We know that there is a coming wrath. We know that Christ will one day return. So like Noah, we need to make sure that we are doing what God called us to do. And what God called us to do is to go in all the world and make disciples. See, Noah did not hesitate to build the ark. He didn't hesitate to gather all the animals, who I'm sure God divinely brought to him. He didn't hesitate to go inside the ark. And even during the time when many scholars and theologians believed it never rained before, he didn't hesitate to do any of the things that God was telling him to do. And don't get it twisted. Noah wasn't saving himself from wrath, but he was following the one who would save him. Because even though God must judge mankind and its wickedness, we can always see the goodness of God towards those who choose to follow him. So I'm not going to give a deep theological exegesis on all these verses that I've been assigned to cover, but I'm going to give you some things that I think might encourage you. Because I'm sure we've all had our Noah moments where we feel like we're the only believer in the family or at the job or in the public square where we're trying to be the preacher of righteousness or be righteous. Or we're looking silly, trusting God in a situation where no one can see what God is doing behind the scenes. And if that's you, which I believe it's all of us, I want to encourage you by first saying, look at Noah. He was obedient to the point that he built a large ark for his family and all the animals and probably looked crazy to everyone around him. Now, I can easily make this about Noah and his faithfulness and how he trusted God. And that's worth mentioning and even studying. But more importantly, I want to talk about the object of that faith, because there's no way Noah would have built this ark if it weren't for something or someone who was worth trusting. Although this is the account of the history of mankind and its creator, it also reveals the character of God towards his people. And one of the biggest things you'll discover in these passages is that God is always with his people. God was with Noah the whole time. And chapter 7, verse 1 tells us that God told Noah to go in an ark. If you drop down to verse 16, it tells us that once everyone was in the ark, God is the one who shut them in. Uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it tells us God remembered or God had not forgotten about Noah. And when you get to the end of chapter 8 into chapter 9, we'll see that God established a covenant with Noah, which we'll touch on in a few moments. But I want to bring to our attention that as you read these verses in this week's study, that God was there in and through all of it. Now, I want you to imagine everything that was taking place outside of the ark. You had heavy rain fall from the sky. Chapter 7, verse 11 says, water was erupting from the earth. And it says in verse 21 of chapter 7 that everything that breathed or had breath and lived on dry land died. 
So the whole world was drowning and suffocating, yet Noah and his family were in the ark taken care of by God. Now, on a side note, those who look at God's judgment and think God is cruel have not even begun to grasp what it means to be holy, righteous, and perfect. And they have not understood how something can be so sick that it can't be around anything that is well. And see, when someone gets cancer, the only way to save that person is to remove the cancer completely. And on a side note, and this is only speculation, perhaps that's why God had Noah spend so much time in isolation building this ark for all these years, because he had to keep him away from the corruption of the world in order to preserve mankind in the future. And that's only speculation. My point is that mankind had gotten to the point that it had become so cancerous that if it was not removed, mankind would have been lost forever. Now, again, that's all speculation. But my whole point is God has purpose even in his wrath. Now, back to the main point, which is God is with his people. And again, when we look at Noah, God was with him every step of the way. God shut Noah in and he kept him in. He was with him in the midst of what was going on around him. So maybe you're in the midst of chaos. And I want you to know, you got to know that God is with you in the midst. Because see, God was with Noah before the chaos when he was building the ark. He was with him in the midst of the chaos while he was in the ark, and God was with Noah after the chaos when he left the ark. Now, when Noah, his family, and all the animals left the ark, it doesn't say he walked out into a world that looked like a nuclear bomb hit it. I would actually argue that God kept them in the ark not only to escape the chaos, but long enough for the evidence of the chaos to be washed away. And it's like when you have little kids, they can destroy the house pretty quickly. But when you invite guests over, they have no idea that five minutes before they arrive, you just finished a five-hour cleanup before they walked in. And they walk into this beautiful, clean house. And I think that's what happened when Noah stepped out the ark, God clean house. Another thing I want to touch on is God's covenant here. Genesis chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. It says, Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I will establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. First, God isn't saying that animals or people won't die in a flood. We know that has happened all throughout human history. And he also doesn't say that he will not judge the earth again. Because what he's saying is he will not judge all the earth with water again. So if we see rain, you don't have to fear that the great reset is happening again. And I can imagine that if God had not made this covenant, mankind would have panicked every time they felt a raindrop from the sky. But God wanted mankind to be confident while they repopulated the earth. Now, quickly moving on to verse 12, it tells us the sign of the covenant will be the rainbow in the sky. And, and we know that symbol has been hijacked by the people of pride. And although we can fight for the rainbow, I'm all for that. But the reason I'm not concerned or offended is because although the rainbow symbolizes God not judging the earth here with rain, the irony is that there will be a coming judgment and a day of reckoning where those who mock and reject God will face this judgment. And as we read the Bible, we see that God will eventually judge this earth by fire. So as much as I love the beauty of the rainbow, it's also a reminder that we have some time before the coming judgment. Not to build an ark. We are not Noah. 
And again, I think the good thing to focus on with Noah is not so much the mission God gave him, but that God was with him through his mission. So because we have time before Christ comes back, which I believe is short, we need to focus on our mission, which is to make disciples, to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, because Christ has built an ark through his sacrifice on the cross big enough for all of mankind to fit in. And just like Noah's ark was the only way to escape the wrath to come, the cross of Christ is the only way to escape the wrath to come. And these people must choose that for themselves. But we must do what God has called us to do. And we are on mission. And he is with us every step of the way. And God is with you, whether it was in the past situations that you've gone through, in the present situations you're going through, or future situation that you will go through. Christ is with you. And he is with us as we get this message out to the world and do what God has called us to do. And I'm just going to end it there because family, that's all the time I have for you in this week's podcast. Until next time, if you want to study these things deeper. And again, today was not super exegetical. There's so much to cover here. I want to encourage all of you to join a Harvest small group. And you can join our men's, women's, couples, co-ed groups at harvest.church forward slash groups. And once again, you're listening to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah. God bless.